Welcome to Mountain Mama's Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share, from the zany to the inspirational, brought to you by Mountain Mamas, a nonprofit women's adventure organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Deborah Moore. And my name is Emily Hacken. And we are your hosts, but today I get to be the host because Emily is being the guest. So Emily grew up in West Valley, Utah, and now lives in Lehigh. Been married for almost 10 years mm-hmm. to her husband, JD. Has two cute daughters and also is a hospice nurse and is also the founder of Mountain Mamas. That's true. That's true. True things. <laughs> so, fun uh, fact about Emily. Um, fun fact. This is not really anything at all, but I was the first thing that came to mind was our dad loves to travel and wanted to take us scuba diving. And I was 16 at the time. And he said, why not teach my 16-year-old? And I think Marilyn learned. Yeah, of Marilyn 14. learned it. Yeah. Something that seems ridiculously young now that I'm a parent, but I feel like he was super cool and empowering. Anyway, taught us how to scuba dive, and um, we, yeah, anyway, I think that's hilarious that I was so young. (laughs) And then we just went to the Florida Keys as a family and scuba dived and snorkeled there. And Debbie, of course, was present. And do you remember that trip? Yeah, I just, I just snorkeled. Um, I Which think actually, I was yeah. too young to do scuba diving, I think is why. I still don't At have. 12? I know. You should have. You would be fantastic scuba diver. <laughs> why? Thank you. We're actually going to do, this <laughs> is like a new thing uh, behind the rate, behind the scenes, off the grid. Anyway, we are going to, um, one of our assistant guys wants to do um, beginner scuba diving classes next year. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> and then I'll tell about all the misadventures I have. <laughs> I know, especially Freaking scuba diving out. in the desert, which is what Utah is. So. Yes, yes, yes. I've done <laughs> snorkeling in the desert, though. So. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> There's some water out here. It's not amazingly amazing, but yeah, we we'll make it work. Bonneville area. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely remember that because I was snorkeling next to our mom and saw rays, and I was like, this is amazing. And her mom thought, this is terrifying, because she was <laughs> yeah. screaming. And normally you don't really hear that much underwater, but I heard that. We were on the boat, and I heard screaming through a snorkel, <laughs> which I didn't know that the, well could be a thing. But yes, they were like, yeah. ooh, that's screaming through a snorkel. I feel like that's a bad thing. Yeah. But I think, didn't she almost step on it? It was something like, oh, no, it was far, far no, away. No, 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 it was just swimming by. But we also, there also was a paper bag. Not a paper bag, plastic bag that mom thought was a jellyfish. Jellyfish? They yeah. do look similar. They do. In mom's defense. Yes, yeah. they do. <laughs> but yeah, I just, yeah, so she, she kind of freaked out by that. But otherwise, otherwise delightful and had fun. And, and shout out to our cousin Mike, who we, whose boat we were on and yes. was amazing and took us out there. Anyway, yes. everyone, if you're a scuba diver snorkeler, check out the Keys, Florida Keys, because... I feel like the water wasn't even that deep, 30 feet. Like, I yeah. barely felt like we needed a scuba dive. Like, I felt like you as a snorkeler yeah, saw I way snorkel. more. Yeah, I mean, I just went, like, 10 feet further down. But you could see all the way to the bottom. It was gorgeous. Yeah, anyway. absolutely beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, Yeah, and again, shout out to Mike, who's amazing. Thank you for letting us do all that and <laughs> taking all of his young, young children. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, young <laughs> kids. That was that was me. De- yeah, I think Debbie and my dad fed the sh- fed the fish. Yeah. Yeah, 
I, well, I, yeah, I definitely was, I don't know that I actually threw up. I know dad did, but I did spend some time just in the boat on the bottom level because I was just sick. Miserable. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't get to see the sharks that you guys got to see. They uh, were small. <laughs> they were unimpressive. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, but <clears throat> fabulous time. But anyways. <laughs> we digress so easily. There yes, we go. do. <laughs> so many fun stories, though. Um, but and, yeah. <laughs> And some of them true. I know. <laughs> that's also that's also the time I got to drive a boat for a little bit. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, cousin, you were good. Cousin felt bad for me. <laughs> oh, I, Mike felt bad because you were sick. Yeah, because I was sick and I missed the sharks. I, I am a hundred percent sure because he would not let anybody else other than our foreign exchange student Vendi who was there because she was old enough, but nobody else was old enough. So. I definitely was not old enough to be driving the boat, but he totally felt sorry for me. So, pity card. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a you. Look at you, boat pilot. Right? I got him 12. <laughs> boat pilot. Is that? No. Is that Taking captains? the helm. <laughs> That's right. Anyway. All, all right. All righty. But that is not actually what Emily wanted to talk about today. <laughs> that was just our fun little side adventure. What Emily wants to talk to about today is more from Peru. Um, so Machu Picchu, of course, is this amazingly cool stone village. Uh, I think it's a palace, actually, from thousands. I probably should have researched this. Some of you guys are super smart. Know this thousands of years ago. Anyway, um, um, with the Inca people, I'm pretty sure I will not have the time to. <laughs> I think it's the Mayan, Mayan people. But we don't know. <laughs> Fill in the blank with historical realities. realities. Here. Anyway, so these really cool people a long, long time ago built this stone, this village palace, and it's in the jungle. So Machu Picchu is in the jungle um, of Peru and um, in the high jungles. And the way to get there is you need to fly into Cusco, which is about 10,000 feet. Cusco is a really funny airport because there's oxygen tanks everywhere because everyone comes from (laughs) like Lima is like sea level. And so, yeah, it's a kind of a big deal. We thought we were going to get pretty sick. Um, coming because we'd done the Amazon portion first, but we ended up doing okay with altitude sickness, thank heavens. So then you, they, um, yeah, I didn't realize Lima was at sea level either. I didn't, I'm pretty that. sure it is, That's it's pretty crazy. close to the okay. ocean. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe some of this is true. <laughs> no, I don't, I mean, I don't, I because I, because of living in Utah in the Rocky Mountain area and everything like that, I just forget that. Like, oh, yeah, other people are at sea level all the time. <laughs> These people on the coast live at sea level. I know. It's super awesome. <laughs> it just doesn't dawn on you. <laughs> so the city of Cusco is just beautiful. It has these awesome stone. Like, the Incas back back in the day um, were able to carve their stone walls um, and city walls and everything. They didn't just use, like, little square bricks and suck them all together. They would actually carve a square and then make it a curve to match the curve from another stone. And they were all offset a little bit. So you have these like perfectly matching stones. It's like a giant wall puzzle of rocks. And it just fits in so, like you cannot, that was kind of the the cool thing. You cannot put like like a playing card or a credit card between the rocks. They are that tight. Oh my um, goodness. Stuck together. And you can see some of those really ancient um, walls and stuff near Cusco, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And yeah, I have a little picture here of them. But anyway, just really, really, really neat, cool. neat um, features. Um, and Cusco is also where we um, tried uh, the Peruvian dining favorite de- delicacy. Which What's is it, the guinea pig? It is! Guinea pig! <laughs> we had a little roasted guinea pig, which I have to say... They just don't have that much meat on them. It's like 
Like, it was less than a chicken. I felt really bad because I had a little <laughs> guinea pig when I was little. <laughs> I kept thinking of little Scotty. But anyway, <laughs> we tried it at least once, you know, with some French fries. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I'm once mortified my youngest just teasing because I knew that, like, we eat guinea pig in um, Peru. And I was just like, yeah. I was like, it's not quite like the little, like, pocket-sized snack of a hamster. And, like, <laughs> mimicked chuck- <laughs> chucking a hamster into my mouth. Oh, and no. <laughs> daughter was like what no and then my my, my oldest was just like cackling because they thought it was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't know i'm vegetarian so it's even funnier that like i was just like oh yeah just pocket size snack <laughs> <laughs> that's peru i don't know <laughs> i love it okay yeah. so um we took a bus out of cusco um down to an area to start the inca trail um so the group we um, went with um, did it in four days. So you spend three days on the trail, and then the fourth day you come into Machu Picchu. And you're up in the Peruvian Andes, and it's just epic. So I wanted to share some details about the Inca Trail. It's about 26 miles, which actually isn't that long. And we did it in about three and a half days. So it really spreads out the miles. But the elevation is the beast because mm-hmm. you start at 9,000 feet. You go down a little bit and then first day you kind of don't go, you go down and up and you don't change too much in elevation. But in your second day is when you hit Dead Woman's Pass mm-hmm. at 13,780 feet. I know. And of course you don't camp there, but so you hit up on over the pass and then you go down and camp near a place called Pacamayo at 10,000 feet, um, almost 11,000 feet actually. So you are still camping really high. So elevation is a big, elevation sickness is a big deal. I do like how the trail has just naturally given you that bring up and then go back down for you. Like you're supposed to do with elevation. <laughs> you're supposed to, it was hike high, camp low. Yes. So we hiked high and then we're on the other side of the pass and now we can camp low again. That's so, what I'm saying. Like, hey, good job, the, trail. The trail made it. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> and then on your last day in, um, you're, it's, it's nice because you're dropping down, dropping down, dropping down until you get to... Um, the sun gate is about 8,800 feet, 8,850. And then you enter Machu Picchu from there. Again, it drops a little bit to 7,474 feet. Yeah. So you're starting high, go up really high on that summit, and then you drop down anyway. So we came in um, towards Urumbamba. Urub- okay, I'm going to slaughter all of these city names. I'm so sorry for all my friends who speak great Spanish. Urumbamba. Um, and then we met up with our porters and then went towards a town called Chilca. And then we um, started our long hike. And then the first day, we hiked about six to seven hours to a place called the um, Three Piedras. And this so it was a long day, but it wasn't really hard. And it was just gorgeous. Just, of course, you're in these, like, green. It's a different kind of um, green than the jungle was. Like, this is, like, oh. alpine jungle. Like, it's just, um, you have, it's not, like, a lot of, I mean, there's still a lot of canopy, but it's not as thick of a canopy. It's a lot more like mountainy, rocket, rug, rocky, rugged, that kind of stuff. And we were just carrying our backpacks, and mm-hmm. we carried our own stuff. But then we had our porters that we had hired, and they carried like the tent and the food and stuff like that. So the and the bathroom and all that kind of things. But we were really walking from kind of a um, as you know elevation goes, it wasn't that high. Like we saw cactus, we were seeing like yucca. But it was still really, really green and really, really rich all around us. And then you're hiking through all these cute little villages that are up in the Andes as well. And the, and 
they don't have a, I mean, they built everything out of stone there. So you're seeing all these cool stone walkways and um, fences and like old, old ancient stone buildings yeah. all along the way. Um, yeah, it was epic. In fact, I think this is something I really like, I realized along the trail is like sometimes you'd be walking on stones and they were old stones. Mm-hmm. Like you could mm-hmm. tell they've been hewn and like put there on purpose. Yeah. And the idea was that the Inca Trail was walked by the Incas. Like mm-hmm. it's been around for thousands of years. And the it had only been opened up to the public like in the last, I'm going to not know this date either, but like the last 10, 20 years um, because there had been guerrilla fighting and stuff like that. That mm. section of the jungle had just been on lockdown oh, for okay. decades. And so it just like the Inca Trail, like the fact that you could hike it is yeah. kind of a relatively new cool thing. And I remember walking on those stone steps thinking, I don't know how longer, how much longer they're going to let people actually walk on the stones, yeah. you know? Because I feel like after a few decades, like, they'll get worn, and then they're like, okay, we can't do this anymore. Exactly. They'll be like, people are, oh, that's right, people are the worst. <laughs> Not that I, they're the worst, but we, like, we, we just leave wear and tear on things. I know. Oil from our hands ruins all kinds of stuff, let alone... Yeah, and the, I mean, like, they were walking on it back in the day, but probably not, like, the hundreds of people that yes. go through the Inca Trail yeah, now. That's what I mean. So, yeah. So, I'm like, I feel like it was an honor to be able to, like... I mean, I think, like, with mm-hmm. all things that are ancient, like, ancient, like, thousands yeah. of years ancient, like, you are touching something that has, like, been there for, th- like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, it just gives me chills, you know? Anyway, so that's kind of, I mean, that's what it was like walking these trails. Like, this path had been cut for so long, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. had wandered a little bit. We weren't like, exact all the time, but but you were going through these passes and these valleys and through these villages that have been there for so long. And, you know, it was just, it was epic. And we... um the first day was kind of a lot long, a lot, a lot of walking, and but not too steep. The second day, you go up a really huge high pass, and you actually, so it's not as many hours of walking, but um, the pass is, um, the pass is called the pass in my journal. <laughs> anyway, but you go up and over this pass, um, and we're walking, hiking on next to river, little streams. There's beautiful flowers. In fact, I remember a flock of birds going by us in the jungle. Like it was starting to get a little thicker in the canopy. Mm-hmm. And it was, and they were all green and they had, were long, like really long birds. Yeah. And we looked carefully and they were, it was a flock of parrots. Oh, that's amazing. Like, that's a thing. They just, yeah. they do that. Anyway, there was from a girl from Utah that that was super cool. Yeah, because all we get here in Utah is a flock of seagulls, which is a funny haircut, but otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So the temperature when we got up to the pass was a lot cooler. Um, it was cloudy for us. We were wearing jackets, multiple jackets, a little cute Peruvian hat and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then we just camped on the other side of the pass. And we were just camping in regular tents, nothing too fancy. Um, the porters, I, I took some pictures of them. Their backpacks are amazing. made out of like, um, gosh, I would say bean sacks, like huge, like 20, mm, 10 pounds. Okay. Maybe like, oh, it's got to be maybe like 50 pound sacks. And then they had like, sewn clothing cloth strips for the arms um, to create straps yeah to create straps and or they're like using a blanket to wrap around the whole i mean it was just the ingenuity was incredible but that's like they're huge too yeah huge blanket so heavy the packs were huge they're like twice as big as our packs for sure and we were carrying regular backpacking packs yeah so, um, yeah, and I feel like, yeah, the native people, like porters, I've had porters in other countries, and they're just solid tough, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just, I was just impressed with them. Um, so on the other side of the pass, um, there was just some incredible, incredible um, 
more ancient ruins. You get to run all through these. Like, I just love that it's all there for you to just wander around and and play in and touch and feel and figure out, like, what does this mean? Like, mm -hmm. why is it curved in this way and looks like a horseshoe? Or what is this stone that has a hole in it cut out? What do you think this means? And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, we can only conjecture, you know. And so, anyway, it was just super fun to just be there and be a part of all that. And, oh, and the food, I have to say was gourmet our porters cooked awesome food and you can do this trip i believe on your own don't quote me on that i feel like you don't have to have a, a porter guide but and it might have been especially when you went that it was like but yeah definitely check just because rules change with yeah so you might be able to do it on your own but do check and see because some i know in some places you have to have a guide but they cooked the most incredible food i have like rice dishes and like lots of like tomatoes and onions and um rice and beans and carrots and chicken and other meats <laughs> i don't think we had that much and they were just plated really beautifully too yeah in yeah. these pictures i mean I'm i seeing. feel like that that's kind of like when you pay for a trek you get like the bonuses like their amazing chef who like cooks gourmet meals on the like on a propane stove in mm -hmm. the middle of a rainstorm anyway i feel like they've got so they're they're just amazing so um, on our fourth day, we woke up really, really early. And this was when we were going to be heading into Machu Picchu. And so when you come into Machu Picchu from the Inca Trail, you're skirting the sides of these huge green mountains and looking down onto these huge deep valleys below you. Um, and if you look far enough down, I think you can see the train that actually comes and comes into Machu Picchu. Mm. But um, for us, like um, you're heading, your goal is the Sun Gate. And it's this, and this is where people originally got, this is how they got to Machu Picchu originally, is through this, like, it's a stone, um, so you have to walk up all these steps, it feels like it's a hundred or more stone steps, and then there's, like, a gate, so yes, the it's gate like is, like, two huge obelisks on both sides of you that are, like, six feet wide and, like, 12 feet tall, and you come through that into the valley. And looking down And on then the valley, you're looking right? down into Machu Picchu. Because yes. most of the time you come into Machu Picchu on the train and you have to hike up all, like, I don't know, it's like a mile or so, like steep steps and you're doing all these switchbacks and stuff. And then you come up from the bottom, which is a humbling way to enter, which I think is cool. But, but the sun gate is the best because mm -hmm. you want, if you can hit it at sunrise, which is the, it was cloudy for us, so it wasn't as mm -hmm. epic, but, but paganly epic. But yeah, yeah like we still coming gorgeous. through that and... And you come and you can just see all of Machu Picchu below you. Oh, it was ah. so cool. Now, it was cloudy for us, so we didn't have that epic moment. We had to wait about a half hour for all the sun to burn off the clouds. But it was just gorgeous. And then you've got llamas everywhere, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. So you can, it's, if you want to get that classic picture of a llama with Machu Picchu behind you, yeah, you just have to follow around a llama eventually. <laughs> it will get you the right picture. And it's... Um, they're and, everywhere. Yeah, and they're everywhere. And then Machu Picchu is just like a stone, you know, there's just like a million different, like hundreds of, I don't know, hundreds of different stone homes um, all stuck together. And then you've got a, okay, so there's a place in the center um, called the Condor where they have carved out, there was a stone in the floor and it has a face of a condor. And then behind it are these huge wings that were mm -hmm. cut out. So who knows what that means? And then there's another, it's like a stone circle that has like a sunstone, like it almost looks like a sundial okay. kind of thing. And the idea is some, or something similar to that. But the idea is that that matches with the sun gate. Like that, mm -hmm. those two, the one that's in the, in the village itself, uh, the city itself, and then the one that's sun gate, like has some cool pagan, you <laughs> know, ness. Anyway. But, um, and then what makes Machu Picchu incredible is this massive mountain that comes behind it. And mm -hmm. it is gorgeous. And you can actually, we were just 
too tired by that point, honestly. But you can hike the mountain and it's just these series of like insane switchbacks that go straight up these cliffs mm -hmm. and it can take you to the top. And then you can look down on Machu Picchu from that other direction and it's just gorgeous. So anyway, we ended up hiring a guide. Our, our tour guide, luckily, he who was doing the trek also knew everything in the world about Machu Picchu and it was awesome to hear because like just wandering around you get you get mm -hmm. it's one thing to feel the ancientness but to know like what they're you know all the current theories and stuff I mean they had water um they had stone I mean just um, like irrigation you mean yeah or? irrigation that was coming okay. like also we like plumbing from you know that went to all the homes you know you yeah. could clearly see how water was going everywhere it and was a very epic. very civilized um system of things that they had Sorry, I remembered more about the trail than the actual history of Machu Picchu. It's all right. <laughs> According to the Googles, it was the 15th century, but... A 15th century Inca citadel located in the eastern Cordillera of... Cordillera. Okay, I'm not my Spanish today. It's in southern Peru on the top of a 7,000, almost 8,000 foot mountain ridge in the Urubamba province above the Sacred Valley and about uh, 50 miles northwest of Cuzco. Um, according to archaeologists, they believe it was founded around 1450 and then had been abandoned in the 50, around 1572. And it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, of course, because it's amazing. So the Incas, according in contrast with the Mayans, had no written language and no European had visited the site until the 19th century, as far as we know. There are, however, no written records at the site when it was in use. So the names of the buildings and their supposed uses and the inhabitants are all the product of what Martin archaeologists figure. Um, and it's just the basis of conjecture, including some tombs, actually, that are at the site. The most recent archaeologists believe Machu Picchu was constructed as an estate and this is what I had heard um, for the Inca Emperor Pacha Pachacuti. A Pacha. Uh huh. That's right. Uh, of course, you have to do all. Yeah, our, our emperor's new group coats ever. Um, <laughs> Telling you. Often referred to as the last city of the Incas, and it's most familiar. It's the most familiar icon of the Incan civilization. It was abandoned around the time of the Spanish conquest, and has three big. The three big structures there are the Intihuatana, or the Temple of the Sun, um, which has the cool, it's like a small obelisk stone that sticks up, is the one that kind of, I believe, matches up with the sun gate. And then the room of the three windows. So most of the outlying buildings have be re been reconstructed to give the visitors a better idea of how they actually appeared. And they continue to still do restoration. Oh, oh, and it's a declared a Peruvian historical site, which just makes sense. There's some history for ya. Which may or may <laughs> not be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so many stories. Some of them true. Okay. <laughs> I highly recommend hiking the Inca Trail if you get a chance to do that approach to Machu Picchu because it makes it all just seem so much more powerful and impressive and, yeah, authentic. I just felt very Incan. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's just gorgeous, gorgeous, epic. I didn't feel like the hike was that strenuous. You just took nice, you just took it nice and slow. Oh, okay. That's good and, to know. Yeah. And they took lots of breaks and stuff and, yeah, it was beautiful. All right, well, thank you, thank you so much for sharing your stories of Machu Picchu with us today. And to hear more fun, inspiring stories, go ahead and click the subscribe or follow, depending on where you're listening to this, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. And if you haven't already, if you can give us a rating and review, please do so. We really appreciate that. It helps us just to be 
more easily seen and found by other listeners. And it's free. But that's it for today's adventure. Join us next time. And as always, remember, a woman's place is in the mountains.